0: father was the village magistrate a simple man with a simple code justice he gathered the few people that he could to stand against you
1: (laughs) you and your bullies were driven back
0: by farmers with pitchforks (laughs) my father saved his village at the cost of his own life You had him shot as you ran away. A hero at a thousand paces.
2: I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it.
0: You don't remember?
2: For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life.
1: But for me, it was Tuesday.
0: Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third. I'm Jack Allison. And today, um, JDB is a little bit under the weather, unfortunately. Sick. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's a little bit sick. Um, and, you know, even though we aren't, we aren't a union show, we aren't a union podcast yet, we're not in the podcast the union um, mm-hmm. because it doesn't exist. So <laughs> he <laughs> will exist. be docked pay yeah. um, for taking a sick day yeah. because you don't get sick days when you're podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we're, we're going to very... look up how many people download
2: this episode and dock his cut of the Patreon appropriately don't worry about that he yeah. will be docked he will only be paid for the amount that he has podcasted so just want to throw that out there
0: Yeah, I, I know JDB talks all the time about how he has to pay rent etc cetera, etc cetera. Sure. well if you want to pay rent maybe you shouldn't get sick
2: maybe you should have thought about that before getting yourself sick there buddy
0: yeah but anyway, we're joined today by a very special guest. Um, he is the host of Media Roots Radio. He is the uh, creator of the wonderful documentary uh, film, A Very Heavy Agenda. Robbie Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. We're excited. A- yeah, I just want to say, I, Media Roots Radio is one of the podcasts I listen to every single episode of. Uh, Robbie does it with his sister, Abby Martin, who has also been on our show. Their podcast is great. There lots of great takes, lots of insight. I definitely recommend uh, checking out, I think it was maybe two episodes ago, where they broke down the latest Mueller indictment of the 13 Russians and basically how everybody... Um, had no idea what was actually in the indictment, but was reacting to it anyway. Um, Like, if if you want to give, like, just a brief, like, summary of, like, why that whole sort of shit show was kind of bullshit. Because I saw a lot of, like, even leftists after that went down being saying, oh, well, this is the smoking gun. This is it. Russia meddled. This is, we know that now. And we just have to accept it. And you can't uh, question it or say anything about it.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean... Well, first, I just want to say I'm flattered to hear you say that. It's very nice of you to um, say that about our podcast. Um, and, yeah, the episode we did two episodes ago, um, I just tried to go through the whole indictment and, you know, try trying to figure out through, because basically the indictment is opaque. We don't know exactly how they gathered the evidence or what evidence is in it. Um, so you can only go so many layers deep. So I was trying to figure out you know where did they get this evidence from, and and does it actually hold up to scrutiny? And I guess one of the more interesting things to come out of that podcast was a lot of the evidence in that indictment appears to come from um, a Dutch intelligence service that was actually hacking into the computers of the GRU and apparently watching them. This is the, this is what they claim: watching them hack the DNC servers in real time. And I, and I you know, if, if that's true, um, that raises a whole series of questions, you know, like why were <laughs> they allowed to do that? And why didn't, wasn't there extra security put on as this hack was taking place? Yeah. You know, there's it just there's so many different things. And also the Gutter for two angle um, is still very mysterious. And, um, you know, and there are people who are trying to ruin the research done by Adam Carter right now. This actually happened after the podcast. So there's a whole bunch of different things we try to unravel um and you know I don't have the technical expertise that like a lot of these other people on the left who are part of the cyber you know cybersecurity community do um but mm-hmm. they all seem to believe it and and think that it holds up so it you know I'm one of the only I guess people who's done tried to debunk the indictment um this thoroughly and I wish there were other people with technical expertise who were doing it as well but there's not really very many people out there who are, you know, trying to, pick poke holes in it. So yes. the Dutch watched it happen. They were like, they were like on
2: like screen share or something while <laughs> the like while the hack went down. Like the Dutch were watching
1: it. That's what it says. Well, that's that's the claim, and this was based uh-huh. on a leak by Dutch intelligence services that they claim this, and also they they apparently hacked into all the security cameras in the mm. hallways and inside the actual GRU offices so that's this is so that's apparently And like saw ha-
2: them being like we're going to hack the election I guess like guess what guys like let's hack the election enough and, and, and they actually and so this got, was a leak from this was a leak from Dutch intelligence Dutch intelligence has still never shared this with us that they
1: uh not like, officially watched. okay not officially and it's also that's one of the things that you know, people like Marcy Wheeler and Mika Lee, who were very much promoting this as the smoking gun, were also drawing the same conclusions that some of this evidence must have been gathered from that Dutch intelligence investigation. But I think, you know, that that, that needs to be looked into deeper, because that investigation in of itself is just so strange, if you take the claims mm-hmm. at face value. I mean, even the way they identified these these alleged 13 GRU agents was from hacking into the surveillance cameras, watching them walk into the offices, what computer terminals they sat down on, and then also mm-hmm. hacking into those computer terminals through some kind of backdoor hacking software. Um wow. So, yeah, it's very, very strange. They hacked the hackers. Apparently wow. so.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> interesting. I don't know. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I believe, but uh, it, is, it is interesting that the Dutch... Uh, just watched a hack happen and didn't call us on
0: the phone or anything like that. <laughs> see, see, Robbie, you've been on the show for five minutes and you've already shaken Jack to his very, very core. Yeah. He doesn't He's know what to me. believe, yeah. Who to trust, um, what's going on, and that's the <laughs> but great. But Jake Capper of... said,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but that's the kind of great, you know, subversive commentary you can get on Media Roots Radio and basically nowhere else. But mm-hmm. we didn't bring Robbie on to talk about you know politics the deep state all that stuff you know we we're, 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 that you know that's fine that's good if you're a po- political taku you know that's cool that's really interesting <laughs> to get into it's, it's fun I, I i'm not one to judge what but i what i really wa- we really want him on the show for is to talk about something that's very serious you know mm-hmm. very important that mm-hmm. gets to the real core of what it means to be you know an American in the 21st century, uh, and uh, as well as, you know, a Japanese person in the 21st century. This piece of culture that's been shared by these two countries and worldwide as well, that mm-hmm. we've all, that I've certainly been touched by and obsessed with since at a very young age. And Jack has been touched by it, and Robbie certainly has been touched by it from a very young age. And that, of course, is fighting games yes mm-hmm. we're we're today we're at street fighter moral combat we're going to cover all that good stuff and yeah. i want to start out by just asking um, both of you and now tell my story like when did you get started with fighting games what was the first fighting game you played what was your first experience i think like most people from my generation
1: street Fighter, the original street fighter 2 i think was my real first foray into fighting games and you know i mean like games like pit fighter and stuff had already been out you know double dragon i was into in the arcade when i was a kid but those uh, pit fighter is technically a fighting game but it's i just say for the record it's an awful fighting game and atari <laughs> yeah, as terrible. a company still has a <laughs> terrible track record with making fighting games and I'll, i can go into that later with primal rage and, and that stuff but uh double dragon you know beat ups i was hugely into them as a kid um and I, I sucked at Street Fighter when I first started playing it. And I remember when it wasn't until I'm trying to remember if it was Championship Edition Street Fighter where I got like really excited because I was like, now I could play as M. Bison. You know, and then I would just be super cheap with M Bison and keep doing like the the torpedo roll thing. He he would do like the hold back for two seconds. I think forward punch oh, or whatever. Psycho Crusher. Yeah, Psycho Crusher. Um, and I was super cheap. I would just do that constantly, like back and forth across the screen. And um, you know, and then, but I think it wasn't until Mortal Kombat One came out where I was just like completely blown away by the. The aesthetics of it, I guess, like the digitized graphics and, you know, I, I got to admit, you know, the fatalities. Like, Sonya, yep. I think the first time I played Mortal Kombat against, it was against a computer and Sonya Blade did the kiss of death fatality on me and as like a, I think I was like 12, I just, like, it blew, my, it just blew my mind. I was like, <laughs> holy shit, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, I sort of became obsessed with Mortal Kombat 1, I learned all the fatalities, learned all the moves. I was never great at it, Um, and I think that Mortal Kombat 1, uh, you know, didn't have necessarily the best fighting engine mechanics, but it Mm. was more like an aesthetic, really impressive aesthetically, and then um, I remember, you know, I, I would get like electronic gaming monthly and magazines like that as a kid, and they would always hype up new games and talk about them months in advance, and I remember there was a feature in the middle of Electronic Gaming Monthly that came on like a like a card stock. And it was by a guy who, I, used to, I believe he called himself Quarterman. And he would give all these sort of like tabloidy, you know, like rumor, it was like rumor mill stuff that they wouldn't print mm. in other parts of the magazine. And one of the rumors he <laughs> dropped was... It's too dangerous to put in the yeah, other parts of the magazine. Yeah. Folks, exactly. they don't want you to know this. <laughs> Uh, and one of the Quarter-man rumors- <laughs> broken in again. Quarterman <laughs> yeah. broke in, in the middle of the magazine. <laughs> totally. And one of the rumors he dropped that I just was like really excited by, but I kind of forgot about it was that Mortal Kombat 2 was was gonna come out uh, eventually, and they were already like almost done developing it. And I kind of forgot about that and didn't really think much of it and thought, you know, wow, that's awesome. You know, can't wait till it comes out. And I just forgot about that. And I think it was maybe six months later. I remember walking past the arcade in my local mall and seeing and hearing like a crowd, like, you know, you hear the crowd wallah, like that, Mm -hmm. just the sound of a large crowd of people. And I heard it emanating out of the arcade. And as I walked by, (laughs) I I saw the back of like, maybe like 50 kids heads, you know, facing one machine, one cabinet in the back of the arcade. And I and I couldn't see what it was because I could just see all these kids' heads, and I you know heard the the sounds of they were making in excitement. And I just remember seeing like a giant blood geyser like erupting from the top of the screen, and I was like, "Oh my god, Mortal Kombat 2. And as I fucking walk up to it, I'm like, "Oh my god, you can play as reptile, you can." Like who's this katana character? She throws a fan and it covers the whole screen in blood. Like I was, I, I, I hate to describe it this way because I was like fourteen or maybe thirteen at the time, but it was almost kind of like the, the strongest non sexual orgasm I could remember having <laughs> in my entire life. Like like walking past that and having just being a total surprise, you know, not knowing it's coming out. And from that moment forward, I I think I just became a total fighting game junkie, and I I spent I don't know how many hundreds of dollars, you know, that I had saved up or all the money that I had at that age on Mortal Kombat Two. You know, getting five dollar rolls of quarters every time I would go into the arcade, and man, I mean, Mortal Kombat Two changed my freaking life. Yeah, (laughs) and and that was like the era when you know people be lining up to fight each other, and they would you would see when you walk up to a Mortal Kombat Two machine, you would see like lines of quarters, you know, stacked yeah. up on either side yeah. and, and that was sort of the honor system rule. You put your quarter there, you're next. And um and yeah, man, it was it was life changing. And then and then Killer Instinct, you know, yeah. I I, th- I almost see Mortal Kombat Two and Killer Instinct as like the golden era, the 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 peak absolute peak of fighting games. And I still do. Like I, I and I feel like they kind of I don't know you know that the sort of combination of the those powerful aesthetics and those fighting game engines i feel like kind of rolled off to some extent i mean there was definitely some great fighting games made after that but that to me is like that's the golden age of of fighting games oh
0: that's really i also cool. think
2: that, that era um you know this isn't you know related to my story specifically but i think that that era of fighting games is maybe at its coolest cuz that's like when they were the most sort of culturally relevant, and also, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, scary. You know what I mean? Like that's when they were like uh, um, actually subversive art, kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were game. edgy. Like not yeah. Not only was the fighting good, but this was like subversive art for
1: like teenagers, kind of. Yeah, yeah I and mean, they even jo- they even made senators and congressmen angry. I remember, you know. Mm-hmm. And-
0: and not to jump ahead, but that also was kind of like a wild, wild west where you didn't have so many established franchises. You didn't know what was going to be the next Street Fighter. There was like dozens and dozens of games that we've all forgotten about by now that were like Street Fighter knockoffs and Mortal Kombat knockoffs because the point was, you know, get that machine, get those machines in those arcades and that's kind of been lost now and the only and like all you get now is like Mortal Kombat 10 and Street Fighter 5 and anime and the new and like Dragon Ball Fire Z but that's just like a another blaze blue basically so you only have a limited amount of systems but but uh, you know what corporate consolidation me and consolidation of course has made everything uh worse including fighting games but we don't want to <laughs> jump ahead we're still talking about <laughs> the good times so jack wh- yeah what was your times. first well you, you come- know so i'm
2: not uh i'm not as uh uh much a uh a fighting game devotee as robbie is it seems uh um i like fighting games i do play fighting games i'll i'll sit down and play a fighting game but the the major issue I have with them is I'm not as good at them as I am at other genres of games uh and so subsequently I don't like to play them as much because of that <laughs> because like I, if I can play Halo or something or any shooting game and actually like do well online and beat my friends and shit like i'll probably end up defaulting to that um but my personal experience with fighting games um well i had a I was a sega kid when i was when i was a young man uh and i had the genesis and the sega cd but i don't think i had any fighting games for those consoles because i think my mother didn't want me to play them so i think the first fighting game i played in earnest is Virtua fighters on the uh, sega saturn because my friend had uh that game and that game was a uh, uh sort of astonishing in its aesthetic for like a very different reason than killer instinct and uh, uh, mortal combat in just that. It was like, it was kind of astonishing that they were even able to do that. Like I remember playing that game and like, you know, it looks like how, uh, um, like how, you know, uh, money for nothing, like how the guy, the 3d yeah. characters <laughs> in money for nothing look. And like, I was actually like making them move and shit. Um, So uh, I started with Virtual Fighter, which is a very good game. Uh, I did have a lot of Killer Instinct in there. And I do remember, uh, you know, because my friend had Killer Instinct. And I do remember my feeling around Killer Instinct was, yeah, that it was, like, kind of edgy or scary or, like, yeah, I have the feeling about Killer Instinct the way you now feel about, like, art that is maybe a little (laughs) challenging
1: or something
2: like that. (laughs) Uh, It just was like, I'm like, whoa, like you know that's this is a little wild man but it's cool <laughs> or whatever yeah, especially Uh-oh.
0: since it was a Nintendo game because yes. they infamously you know censored the yeah. release of Mortal Kombat on Super Nintendo and then they developed this game that was just as violent and brutal yeah. as Mortal Kombat just yeah, so you know, like was... what
1: they did with Conker's Bad Fur Day you know and i think it was also wasn't it co-developed by Rareware the company that made Donkey Kong Country and yeah, all those? yeah 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 um
2: and it also had a cool look just cuz it was doing that. I like I like the look of the Super Nintendo games like Donkey Kong Country that are doing the the 3D animated characters but like down res to uh, uh 32-bit sprite art. That's, That's cool It's such look. a
0: cool look. It's like it's yeah. so, but you can't like replicate it like today I don't yeah. think. Yeah, I think that they
2: try to, but it's just like they throw filters over, like, a like way too, like, highly polygonal uh, 3D character or whatever. But I, I digress. Um, I, I did play a lot of, uh, I remember playing a lot of Soul Calibur. That was huge uh, for me. Because yeah. I was, again, as a Sega boy, uh, uh, I got the, the Dreamcast. And that was one of the, f- like, Soul Calibur and Power Stone were maybe the two big fighting games that I was first good at. Um, uh, so So that was big for me. Um, but I'm better at, I'm better, I'm not very good at remembering combos. It's hard for me to like remember and do <laughs> combos. So I like the games where the combos are all the same or there just aren't combos like uh, Power Stone.
0: <laughs> all right. So for me, um, for me, of course, it was Street Fighter 2 that really got me into it and the Super Nintendo version of it because it wasn't arcade perfect, but like as far as like graphically goes, but as far as playing it goes, it was. And like, all my friends had it and we would always play each other just non-stop just hours on end fighting each other at street Fighter, talking smack to one another beating the crap out of each other getting angry and you know storming out when we lose a bullshit match we think like all that good stuff like that good you know male bonding you know adolescent Mm -hmm. growing up stuff and so that's where fighting games were to me where it was like what what was really cool about fighting games because they all of them were like co op. You could always play with other people, and you could play with as many people as you want. Like one person lose, pick up the next stick. So when you're a bunch of you know, when not everybody has a console, maybe in but it, we, like so with like online games now, like everybody has their have their own console, and right. they have to do it at their own house on their own TV, etc. But with with those fighting games, it's like you can have like sixteen like little black kids in one room. Mm. Taking turns, playing games, and it was fair to everyone. And it, I just always remember moments like that and why I always have a soft spot for fighting games because it was like, and it, and people who didn't have, who couldn't afford, whose parents couldn't afford consoles, they would just come over to your house and they could play too and pick it up. Uh, and some of them, and they all kind of had a fighting chance. Like there was a real puncher's chance back then, I feel, with that era of fighting games with Street yep. Fighter... And like Mortal Kombat special, I think Mortal Kombat, like anybody can pick it up and just as long as they learn how to do like an uppercut and a sweep, like they could be like world class and Mortal Kombat. Are are you
2: speaking in favor of button mashing then? Are you coming out this early in the episode (laughs) as pro button mashing?
0: I, for children, for children, for children <laughs> yeah. who are just picking up, budding mashing is fine. No, no, actually, no, I take that back. You should learn how to actually do the controls, but you just find like your one or two moves and just keep doing that until you actually have time to, you know, get better, better yeah. at it. <laughs> until you're old enough to
2: devote the time necessary to yes. uh, to be to good.
0: Till your brain develops enough so <laughs> we can understand, like, the combos, the cancels, the dashes, the dash yeah. cancels, the parries, all, all that good stuff. So, one unique thing about fighting Games I want to talk about is, like, this massive level of variance in, like, skill and dedication people have to them, right? Because, like... Everybody with Super Nintendo had, like, Street Fire 2. But, like, only a very small, small percentage of those people would ever get to the point where they're, like going to like the first evos or whatever like so like there's all and you know in between that you had all these different levels of you know button mashers and people kind of who knew how to do a fireball and people who knew how to do all the combos and random egm and stuff and then at the top top level you have people who are like essentially like breaking the game in order to get good at it like that sort of level and like that hierarchy like i always like maxed out at like just before like buying an arcade Stick like I'm always I'm at like <laughs> that level. <laughs> of a uh, fighting game uh, connoisseur. but it is interesting how there's so many different ways to be a fighting game fan um, and still have fun and enjoy it because I didn't enjoy I don't think I had any less fun than the people who like are top level at it and I think that's really like a cool thing about fighting games like you can be kind of sucky at it to being you know like the best in the world and you can still enjoy it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do think, I think one of the things that is cool about fighting games is, like you said, like, you know, you can be good at them. Like, that's one of the things that's interesting is that, like, it you know, from button mashing where you can just sort of, like, get by by hitting the buttons really fast. Like, there are people in the world who are, like, tangibly better, who train and do better. And in that way, like, I actually think that fighting games are one of the better esports to watch one of the more like watchable kinds of tournaments and i think it's like pretty clear why like uh, uh it's you know like sports it is kind of amazing to watch the best fighting game players in the world and it is interesting that there's a genre of
1: art form basically that like can be a conduit for that for sure yeah i mean to me what you just described is like I get I get the same pleasure other people get out of watching, like, the best sports <laughs> replays or sports movies or watching people do, like, Ermac juggle combos in Ultimate <laughs> Mortal Kombat 3 and just seeing what kind of crazy shit they come up with.
0: Yeah, like, so everybody's seen that uh, Di- uh, Daigo comeback from, like, Street Fighter 3, where he um, parries, like, 15 times with perfect timing... Chun Li with and he has no health left and is able to come back and defeat and the crowd just erupts with and like every time I watch it I like I kind of get chills it seems like such a silly thing but that is someone like. That is like LeBron James like Uh seeking a three pointer at the buzzer. Like it it takes like you know, maybe a different type of skill, but certainly a comparable like skill Mm. at that game. And I really like it when it comes to fighting games, you can have that level of skill and at at them compared to some other games, um Fortnite maybe, um, where you know, it's it's there's not as much balance to the wow. game, so you can't really. So, like, there's a much you more. Don't a lot, to,
2: you don't have to shit talk Fortnite. It's just uh, to, I kind of do. <laughs> I kind of do. Just wow. because there's this so is much what's finally going to get
0: us in trouble. It's so much luck and randomness and fall. Of course, somebody like Ninja, he's. My wife is convinced that Ninja uses hacks. I I don't agree with her, uh, <laughs> but I do <laughs> do think like he's pretty good. But I'm like not nearly at. But then I see him like get his you know blown away by a guy who just got a better gun first, like all the time. So it's w- yeah, yeah. So I when it comes to something like um. But that doesn't really happen in, like, a really good fighting game. Street Fighter Five, like, ludicrous. Uh, like, uh, I th- who, who was it? No, it was uh, Lupe Fiasco beat, like, a top-level player because they've made Street Fighter Five more, like, button mash and casual friendly. Mm. But, like, when you're looking at something like Street Fighter Three, like, you just have to be a very high level in order to face someone at a high level. And I think that's uh, really, really cool.
2: Yeah, look, I agree. We, we, I think we, I think we're all in agreement there. Okay, and you're <laughs> afraid to talk shit about Fortnite. No, I'm not afraid to talk shit about Fortnite. You're absolutely right about that. The only game that is like I mean, similar to that is like you got your uh, uh, Smash Brothers. I know in like professional tournaments they turn off the random item drops, but yeah, Smash can kind of be a little bit uh that Fortnite silly randomness or whatever. I don't care about Fortnite. In fact, fuck Fortnite.
1: <laughs> I had to Google it because I didn't even know what the hell it was.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's <of> sounds <laughs> wow. You're better off not knowing. Is it's taking yeah. over like all of gaming? Pretty soon, the only game will be Fortnite. Yeah. but all, actually,
2: all I, movies are going to be Disney, and Fortnite's going to be the only game.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, but I actually heard a, a theory that actually made me kind of excited about how popular Fortnite was. So this guy was saying, like, all right, so Fortnite's going to suck all the air out of all these multiplayer games. Like, people aren't going to play the new Call of Duty. People aren't yeah. going to pay the new play a new uh, Battlefield. And so when the when those games kind of get the air sucked out of them, and all the online shooting, all the online stuff is taken to Fortnite, hmm. developers will start making more single-player games, because you're not getting that experience from Fortnite. Everybody else is going to be playing Fortnite if they want multiplayer stuff. So if they want to make any money, they're going to have to make more things like Horizon Zero Dawn, The Last hey. of Us, etc., etc. So I'm actually kind of excited about about Fortnite now. Once I read that,
2: actually, I think what other developers are going to do is just to start developing hats for Fortnite. I think <laughs> that their big releases are just going to be hats that they release in Fortnite. Anyway, Robbie doesn't understand any of what we're saying right now, <laughs> so we should just. Uh, I'm trying to get a handle move, on it. I'm trying to move back to uh, uh, fighting games.
0: So let's get into um, some of the big franchises. Um, so I think I've already said what I uh, think about Street Fighter. Where, where you, your guys... What's your favorite Street Fighter out there? Which ones <laughs> have you played? Were you into?
2: Well, I mean, look, Street Fighter is one of the big offenders of, like, the most combo learning and the most, you know, memorizing things. Uh, so I have never been good at a Street Fighter. I have love for Street Fighter. I play Street Fighter. But I, I can't tell you which one is best for me because Street Fighter... You know is me getting my ass kicked, you know, whichever one it is. <laughs>
1: I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember which one I actually had the most fun with and invested the most time in it. So, we're not talking about Capcom fighting games, we're just talking about Street Fighters, right?
0: Just Street Fighter. We'll talk about the verses maybe okay. later, later, later.
1: I mean, I guess if this one counts, it was probably the one I played the most, which was the original Street Fighter versus X Men game ah. Um. That, that adopted all the. Sort of the aerial combat, air combos, and stuff from X Men: Children of the Atom, and and then you know let you play the Street Fighter characters with that same fighting system. Um, But third, I'd say Street Fighter Three was probably ended up being my favorite because I'm a really big proponent of of well animated 2D sprites, and I feel like that was Capcom's last real you know home run in terms of. 2d animated sprites because even like the marvel versus capcom stuff when they were putting that out they started to just do weird things with the um the resolutions and even when i play like marvel versus capcom 3 now i'm kind of like i don't it's, it looks like pixelated it looks like they're recycling old sprites sometimes and yeah. it just looks off to me but street fighter 3 to me in terms of the visual is like absolute perfection i mean yeah
0: yeah it's a beautiful Street Fighter 3 is a beautiful, beautiful game. It's really sad that they went away from that. Like, because people, there's like a meme online about how they kept using the Morgan sprite from like Dark Stalkers, like, oh my God, two yeah. for like 15 years. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and, and I think even Street Fighter 3 was not even really that popular because by that time people were already really into Street Fighter Alpha which is something I kind of never got into. Like, I didn't really understand what Street Fighter Alpha really was trying to do at the time, and I kind of still don't. I'm like, when I look at it now, and I've, I've tried to play it on emulators, and I'm like, I still don't get this game. But it was... I remember being, like, hugely popular. I remember everyone making a big deal out of the fact that Guy from Final Fight was, like, a playable character in it, and, you know, everybody used to play as Guile, and I just, I just didn't like it. But, I mean, I think... I I really like the more stripped down Street Fighter engine. Um I think I prefer that more to the, like the what they li- you know ended up doing later where you can choose like three different modes and you know like when fighting games started to do where it was like at the title select sc- you know character select screen you could pick all these different modes of fighting and like turbo and normal and stuff I was just like I don't I can't follow along with what's happening here and I kind of that's sort of when I just became more of a button masher when I would play those later Capcom games.
0: Yeah, because one thing that has happened over time is like, so when they were initially, when they initially like made these games, right, you couldn't do things like patches and updates and all that stuff, at least not as easily as they do them now. So when the games came out, like when Street Fighter first came out, it was completely unbalanced. Some characters were better than others. And when people started getting into really the competitive side of it, like all these companies start taking notice of it and trying to incorporate that and, make make the conf a lot of the competitive fans more happy give them more techniques and options and it made it, it made all the everything more complex so when you go up to the arcade machine and the first thing you select you think oh because when you when we're playing Street Fighter 2 you how'd you pick a character you just picked whoever looked cool to you like I always went with Ken I liked him because he wore wore red but then by the time you're getting to like Street Fighter Alpha 3 it's like all right who am I going to pick who has you know which kind of alpha theta beta combo which super move am I going to pick for them and this is all before you like even get into uh, the match so there's been, <laughs> <laughs> so it, 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 it's kind of an interesting thing where these games started out as things that kind of leveled the playing field initially well it, it seemed like it leveled the playing field initially where you just pick a, one guy picks a character the other guy picks a character you fight but then it became like in order to actually get like a true balance they had like they added so much complexity on it and so much, you know, tech, uh, like you had to read a magazine to understand like what these new modes were, what they meant and how they used them. And I feel like that is kind of, that was kind of the beginning of the end for fighting games as like the cultural center of like gaming culture. They kind of more became their own like separate, you know, thing from the rest of gaming
1: totally and and i think that what that era you're describing too is sort of when you know online games became you know more popular than arcades and and i don't even know if this is actually technically true but i believe it to be true um <laughs> is that i don't think you can actually play fighting games online and have the collision and the timing and everything being as accurate as you would be playing someone like in person because from what I understand, internet speeds aren't even necessarily fast enough. That's why first person shooters and stuff became so popular online is because you can, there's some wiggle room there with collision and timing. And, you know, I tried playing like Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 when it was released on like the classic arcade on like the Xbox and it was like too laggy and it just didn't work. Like you couldn't really play it. Like you would play a real person, you know, standing next to you. So... Um, that's sort of when, you know, a lot of the fun of fighting games kind of vanished for me when arcades simply stopped being a popular thing where you could go play someone side by side or even just, you know, I guess console fighting games still allow that. You know, like you can play Injustice against a friend. Yeah. And that's still really fun. But um,
2: it's one of the few where that's actually left, like even yeah. even <laughs> shooting games don't have split screen anymore. But yeah. You mean like GoldenEye, like back in the day? Yeah, that's yeah. True. They don't really. Most shooting games don't have like four player anymore on on one console.
0: No, you barely get two player because the because yeah. part of it is because the graphics like you can't render. They they're pushing the graphics so far they can't render like. Two screens at the same time. There was actually a really cool, like, mini era towards the end of PlayStation 3 when they started doing 3D gaming because every 3D game, right? Uh, you could you had to render it twice, so that's why, like, Resistance 3 and um, Killzone 3 are in are uh, split screen uh, shooters for their campaign is because they had to render it figure out a way to render everything twice anyway because they're trying to push the 3D TV, so it can be done. They just um. Mostly don't bother, unfortunately, and you just yeah. There's more money
2: and getting people to play online because they buy hats.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and um, so and Robbie, you are right. They can online fighting. Online fighting is not like real. (laughs) Like like they still haven't figured out like because every game that comes out like if you read any fighter any reviews on it they keep talking about the net code net code is basically the code that they use to like get two people synced up when they're online in order to have a fair fight and like every game that comes out it always has shitty net code when it first comes out they haven't figured this stuff out i don't know if they ever will and but it's you know obviously it's convenient for um, it's something that fans want they want to be able to fight online against people even though it doesn't like actually work, but it's still like one of the most important important features. Um, Jack and I were trying to play like Dragon Ball Fighter Z online against each other, and we somehow could not figure out how to do it. So it's actually we're gotten worse. We're too old to play Dragon <laughs> yes. Ball Fighter Z
2: online. We are too old. It's not possible for us.
1: Street Fighter Four was a was an online was supposed to be meant meant to be played online, right? I mean, I and I, I actually the only time I've seen an arcade machine of it was, I think someone made like a custom arcade machine and I saw it in Japantown in San Francisco and that was the only time I played it. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, even Street Fighter Four, I was disappointed that they decided to go with like this, th- you know, 3D graphics instead of the, the 2D sprites. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. I I, 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 hopes, I hope somebody money. makes another 2D sprite Fighting game eventually that just blows our minds, you know, like something doesn't, like
2: doesn't uh, doesn't what's it called? Like uh what's that one game, Leslie? The, the Skullgirls, like
1: Guilty Gear, or some shit? Isn't Guilty
2: Gear? Oh, Guilty still... Gear X,
0: right? Um, Guilty Gear. I, I think it the, that one is like it's like drag like Dragon Ball Fire Z, where it's just like a three. It is three D animation, but it's made to look two D, and it really? looks pretty. It oh. looks pretty good i think it, i think but but um what Skullgirls is actually 2d and looks really um fantastic uh, i would definitely recommend um checking it out if you have a chance because it's a it was a th- it was meant to be kind of a throwback to the era of you know true 2d fighters i i do miss like the 2d i understand why companies feel like the need to go 3d um but actually i'm most disappointed really and and the next uh series we can talk about is that Mortal Kombat no longer does um full motion video capture of its fighters anymore. Like oh, it was yeah. just it was just so much more fun when you were being those <laughs> r- real people ripping their heads. No, actually I think is of all the transitions to like the new era, like Mortal Kombat maybe has one of the better um ones because the last couple have been very very like great games uh, in spite of not having full motion video, but I I'll, I'll, I'll be able to <laughs> That, but I've always been a fan of the Moral Comet series. It just has such a different feel to Street Fighter. It, it has like a more, I don't know, like it's edgier, but like also the fighting is less like. I don't know, serious, I, I would say, like less detailed. Like it's just about throwing haymakers and like no one blocks. She just threw and, and like being cheap is encouraged. Like whenever you're playing the computer is super cheap. Like I I I, I appreciate how like it, it, it really is a more level kind of uh game because like there is less strategy it's just like you find those one or two moves that work and you just do them over and over again for the most part except for ultimate mortal Kombat 3 because that got with the combos you could do and the shit in there that was uh a lot more intense but i think for mortal Kombat, it's more of like a a brawler than you know a technical fighter
1: well i will only disagree with you slightly there because i i ended up being finding mortal Kombat, or at least ultimate mortal Kombat 3s Fighting engine to me is like the pinnacle of, of fighting game mechanics. And, oh wow! And I think the reason, I mean, and I st- I still see this argument. A lot of people say, you know, Mortal Kombat feels like you're fighting with stick figures. There's, it's not real martial arts. It feels like, you know, it, it kind of feels like like puppets or something. Like I've seen, I I don't know if that's the exact criticism that people say, but for me, um, the juggle combo like system in Mortal Kombat 3, or or, sorry, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, I guess, sort of lends itself to a creativity of formulating juggle combos that I don't really, I haven't really seen any other fighting game do since Mortal Kombat 3. And maybe there are some like 3D engine fighting games I'm I'm just not aware of because I'm not keeping up. But like, I still will watch videos of people, you know, inventing new juggle combos on Mortal Kombat 3, where I'm just like, that's fucking incredible. I mean, I was just mentioning Ermac <laughs> earlier, um, but there's this guy who just does these ridiculous—I mean—juggle combos with Ermac where like he just keeps inventing new shit. Or I'm just like, damn, this guy's unstoppable. And I—I um, I don't. I, it's hard for me to go into the technical reasons why I think it's so pleasurable. But one of the reasons that I always appreciated the Mortal Kombat engine over Street Fighter is because, um there didn't seem to be the sort of type of priority with moves. So like in Street Fighter, like Ryu's, um, you know, uppercut move, I, I forgot the actual name for it. The Shoryuk. Yeah, would always prioritize like a jump kick. It would always, um, you know, no matter what, when you would do it, timing-wise, it would always take out a jump kick. And in Mortal Kombat, what I appreciate about it, it was all about timing. So no special move actually had priority over any other move. It was all about the timing of when you executed it. Um, So like, you know, if you got the timing wrong, you would, you know, someone was trying to jump kick you an uppercut. You'd have to do it at the exact right time to counter their jump kick Um, and or, or otherwise they would just jump kick you. So that that's kind of what I appreciated so much about Mortal Kombat is it was like all about the clever timing. Even if you knew all the cheap special moves, you could still beat someone just based on like high punch jabs. If you knew, you know, like when exactly when to do it, when they were like coming at you with a jump kick or a special move. So I think that's like, I, I'm kind of obsessed, honestly, with the, with the Mortal Kombat fighting engine. And I, and I even appreciate um, Mortal Kombat 4, which is kind of like a widely pan game because I feel like it it continued the same fighting engine even though it has atrocious graphics and um, it also had a cool like weapons system which I feel like you know they never really continued after that which I kind of wish they did and there's really only one other game that I can think of that has that same system and it's like the Time Killers spiritual sequel Bloodstorm um, that was a total bomb in the arcade that was just like a Mortal Kombat ripoff so I, I'm a total Mortal Kombat obsessive. I mean, I, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I, I even you know, met Ed Boon at E3, and my friend and I proceeded to badger him about how he had messed up Mortal Kombat 5. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What, what, what was uh, the You're issue? a toxic fan. You're a toxic <laughs> fan. I, I was, I was totally one of those people. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I could just go into it really quickly. I mean, we went to E3... Um, and just as a side note, we went using a fake Fox News press pass, and somehow they let us in. Um, <laughs> and so we walked up to Ed Boon. Uh, as the conference opened, Like I think it was like 9 in the morning, we walked straight to where it said Mortal Kombat 5 was going to be, and it was just Ed Boon, the creator of Mortal Kombat, standing next to four empty screens with controllers just waiting there. So we walked up, and we just started playing it, and we were like, kind of looking at each other, like whispering under our breath, like, this is, this sucks. Like, what do we do? Um, And we, you know, as politely as we could, we sort of told Ed Boon why his game was basically like a Tekken ripoff and how it was totally (laughs) going against the spirit and the the whole reason why we love Mortal Kombat, because, you know, all the characters had these slow motion-captured movements and recovery time that was... Totally the antithesis of the Mortal Kombat gameplay. So actually it was funny. My friend suggested to Ed Boon that he needed to put something on the screen indicating w- how much time you had left of your mo- like animation before you could actually do a special move again. And he ended up putting, you can go play Mortal Kombat 5 right now and <laughs> see this feature that my friend badgered Ed Boon to put into the game, which is wow. a stoplight system which actually shows a red yellow green stoplight like indicator um telling you when you're able to perform a movement again on the on the screen wow yeah
2: direct action gets the goods look at that <laughs> yeah
1: even though even though it didn't improve the game at all and I still think it's crap <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's cool so uh moral combat i kind of want to talk about like I've been because I've been playing the um, the recent releases, uh, starting with I think Mortal Kombat Nine. They just called it Mortal Kombat. They kind of redid the lore, and at that point, I didn't know that Mortal Kombat had like a consistent lore all the way through all those like PS2 Mortal Kombat games that didn't play like Armageddon and Annihilation, Deadly Alliance, all this stuff. And like, it's really fascinating. Um, all like the backstories each character has. I think Mortal Kombat does it better than almost any fighting game. But it's kind of interesting. Like all these fighting games have like every character has like a backstory and a lore. And every time you beat the arcade mode, you get a unique um, uh, ending for for them. So I, I just want to take a second and ask, what are some of your favorite like characters, or lore, or worlds in you know the fighting uh, game genre?
1: Well, I guess I'll just mention really quickly that I, I just responding to what you just said that John Tobias, the co creator of Mortal Kombat, he actually released a comic book um, that was released around the same time as Mortal Kombat 1 that had the whole lore originally laid out in it. And I almost see Mortal Kombat lore almost kind of like DC Comics lore, it follows a similar mm-hmm. format of like the Justice League. Um, going into alternate dimensions, the whole universe being reset multiple times. Um, you know, kind of oh, like.
0: Yeah, like every tournament is a crisis.
1: Yeah, crisis of infinite earth oh, kind of vibes. And I think it was around Mortal Kombat 3, where it was like the whole world's being taken over by Shao Kahn. And that's why, like, you're in the city fighting and everything looks all, you know, messed up. And um, and actually, like, Mortal Kombat Sub Zero, I think it was called Mortal Kombat Mythologies, actually. Was I loved that game and and it's considered a, a pile of crap by most people, but it's funny when you go back and play that game now. They actually do live action, um, sort of mythology segments that were filmed, like full motion video segments. And uh, the actor who plays Kano is playing Quan Chi in these in these segments, and they're pretty poorly done, wow. but they're you can watch them on YouTube. They're hilarious actually. Um, but yeah, I, I mean in terms, I think Mortal Kombat's my favorite. I mean in terms of the lore, it's, it's my favorite for sure. But
2: god as far as the lore um I guess I would have to say that I think the videos from Smash Brothers are some of the oh, most crazy on. things I've ever seen. <laughs> well the new ones definitely like where they <laughs> fucking murder
0: <laughs> Luigi it's too much that was That's too much so for me funny. like that is too much violence in video oh, games. Oh Robbie have
1: you have you. have you not seen this? No and and I I mean no, I haven't. Please, please no. don't explain. So
0: they're doing—they're introducing all the new characters, um, and they're doing for Smash Brothers, and they're doing it by having them come in and brutally murdering like one of the old characters. Uh, it's wild, like. Um, huh. Yeah, so the, what was it? So Ridley what did he, he do? I think he bite Mario's head off, I think. Something like that. Yeah, it's too much. It's too like, much
2: violence in video games.
0: Yeah, and uh, but this was in Shadow but uh in the, the where uh, Ridley from um Metroid who's this big like reptilian monster like bite someone's head off, but for like Luigi, they fucking murked him like on camera. Like yeah, so comes he's, out as a ghost. Yeah, he's he's walking around like a um, Haunted Mansion because he's doing his ghost hunting um, side You job, know how I guess.
2: Luigi is famously a ghost hunter as <laughs> yes. one of Luigi's things? <laughs> it's one of
0: his jobs besides plumber. Um, everybody's yeah. got to work two jobs in this economy, I guess. Much yeah. the <laughs> kingdom. <laughs> uh, sort but, of a gig economy. Yeah, so there. he's he's walking around hunting ghosts, in Dra- but it turns out it's Dracula's castle, and you know Dracula and Death are boys. So Death, uh, the personification of Death, takes a sickle And just does a like upswing ram through like a Luigi's throat and like takes his soul out of his body. It's a little too much. It's a little too much.
2: (laughs) It's a little too much, I think.
0: It's it's just by just spins in the air and now he's walking around as a ghost. And then they introduce like <laughs> Simon <laughs> Belmont from Castlevania. It's 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 fucked up, like it's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't. I don't know why they're doing it, but yeah, I, I don't know what that lore is though. Like how all those char- characters, um, me, I, I, I actually kind of hate like the it's like mo- a hand,
2: a hand comes and gets them, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I actually
0: kind of hate like the Marvel versus Capcom. lore lore lore, because like those characters do not belong together like you know some like i i wish they had just stuck with like the capcom characters who could like exist in like marvel like i don't like mega man who's like three foot eleven like be, being up like I don't know Colossus or whatever I don't really enjoy that but um uh, one one uh but I do really like Injustice's like story I was gonna say
2: I, I, I if I'm being honest probably Injustice has the best lore and I haven't even gotten as deep into it as I should I understand that the comic is even good
0: oh the comic is great so it's basically just like it's Superman. incredible yeah, Superman, as we all know, is a fascist, and <laughs> he's he's pushed to his limit because Joker kills, you know, his wife. Like, come on, like but Joker's killed like a bunch of Batman's wives. Probably he's never, you know, snapped and taken over the world. But you know, we don't need you to
2: get into your anti-Superman partisanship. Well, t- you technically, know, just, we're just talking about it, yeah, injustice.
0: <laughs>
1: technically, uh. J- uh, Joker fools Superman into killing Lois Lane yes. himself. Right. Yeah. Like
2: how Maxwell yeah. Lord did. I don't
1: know Wonder Woman. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So super. And then uh, Superman crosses the line, kills Joker, and then from there decides to take over the world, murder all his friends who don't side with him, etc. It's really good, really riveting stuff. And the games. And playing through it in these in the games in the story mode, something like uh, Nether Realms has started to do instead of having like just in our uh arcade mode with different endings for each character they have like a story mode where you switch between different characters do all these different fights and this longer storyline i think it's really like one of the coolest new things in video games lately uh street Fighter 5 try to copy it but the writing is so fucking shitty it's uh just a slog to get through but the writing on like the Mortal Kombat, DC versus Mortal Kombat, Um, and then the two Injustice games—they're just really good. I would definitely, if you're uh, even if you're just like not a big fighting game fan, I would recommend like playing through them, like getting the games on cheap and just playing through the story mode uh, one time because they're just really uh, fun and interesting and well-told stories.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I wasn't even a player of Injustice. Well, I think it was Injustice Two, and someone compiled together all the cutscenes of Injustice Two into like a full-length movie on YouTube, and it's, it's actually quite watchable, yeah. um, and, and it's pretty great. Uh, so, like, I mean, in, yeah, the comic that it's—I don't know if it's actually based on a comic or if they did it at the same time, but the it comic was at the same time. It was like the okay. tie-in comic. Yeah, it was.
2: Yeah. Both, it was like you know the, the video game promotional comic, but <laughs> everyone's like, it's better than anything DC's doing. Yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely! I mean, the original Injustice comic book series, and actually, for anybody who's not who who's not familiar with it, there's a guy named Comic Comicstorian who's gone through the entire Injustice comic series online and sort of narrated it. Uh, it's over two hours long, and that's incredible too. Like, I actually think that's probably better than watching the cutscenes from Injustice One because the graphics on Injustice One are a little hokey. I mean, the Injustice Two graphics though are like amazing. I mean, some of the um some of the designs even that Nether Realms came up with for like the character costumes are pretty fucking cool. I mean, they're they're yeah. they're they're like film quality, you know, like I could see Warner Brothers actually stealing or Using some of those designs in their future movies because they look, for, frankly, better than like the, what the Justice League movie ended up doing. With the, with yeah, the, way it the
0: do, characters yeah, it looked. does a lot except for Green Arrow. Green Arrow looks like a fam in Injustice Two. He doesn't even, <laughs> he doesn't even have the hat. He, does, he, doesn't look, he doesn't look good in Justice Two. I can't believe he looks cool. like. <laughs> he has like a skin tight like leotard for some reason. Like that's not Green Arrow. He's all huh. he's more of a he's more of a loose fitting guy. He's not the skin tight yeah. guy. Yeah. No,
1: I'm a, I'm a huge DC Comics fan. So that's like, that's probably actually the only new fighting game that I've played and, and enjoyed, probably just because it's, you know, makers of Mortal Kombat and doing DC Comics. So it's kind of perfect.
0: Uh, it, no. And it was so funny because I remember when *Mortal Kombat* versus DC was announced, and people were just like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> like, like they uh, like they really like didn't I felt the same way too? Like, because *Mortal Kombat* was just known as this hyper-violent game. When DC, even though some of the comics are violent, have have violence in them, they're more like considered the traditional of the comic book companies like if it was moral moral combat versus like image comics or wild storm that would have been you know something more moral combat versus you know extreme studios with rob liefeld that (laughs) would have been something people would (laughs) you know seen coming but it actually i think it turned out well moral combat fans still don't like that game for some reason they uh, uh if judging from the steam like comments they still hate it but I actually played it and it was actually pretty fun aside from the fact that they did end up censoring uh, the Joker's fatality like his original (laughs) fatality was he pulls out like a gun he shoots it at you, and then it just says "bang." It's like a fake gun. Then he pulls out a real gun and blows your brains out. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
2: that's funny, actually. That's in that twisted way that the Joker is funny.
0: Yeah, it's very twisted. But they censored it in the final release, and they just cut away when he you blows your brains out.
1: I mean, some of those. Uh, yeah. So, did they actually remove all the
0: fatalities from that game, or are there fatalities? No, there there are fatalities. I think. Um, I think they. I've never played it I forget I think they like none of the superheroes have fatalities obviously they don't kill anyone but like their cuts there's not like a ton of blood Um, but yeah it's it's still a pretty good game it has a good story too where like the worlds are colliding and they have to fight Um, it's it's actually uh, pretty good I wouldn't recommend watching the movie because if you you, uh, because the you know it's still pretty dated um, graphics but overall very good
1: yeah, I mean, the the Mortal Kombat, the the team that, that's behind it, I feel like they really started to turn a corner around. I don't know if you mentioned Mortal Kombat 9, but that's when I feel like that whole team really um, sort of figured out how to really implement the, I guess, just the Mortal Kombat universe and, and the mechanics into a 3D environment properly um, because... I just always felt I I was never a big fan of Tekken and and games like Soul Calibur, so I always felt like Mortal Kombat's attempt and just that studios attempt to try to move their their games towards that was a mistake. So I'm glad to see them bringing it back to more the frankly kind of unrealistic more cartoony fighting style that that I think really makes the, you know, the original Mortal Kombat games fun. Rather than the slow movements, like real martial arts, you know, takedowns and stuff like that. Um, so I really appreciate what they're doing now, and I, it would be, I mean, it would be amazing to me if someone, you know, even if it wasn't their studio, actually released a a new game using digitized graphics again, like the old school games, but with like new sensibilities and new technology, you know, like what what's what these systems are capable of now. But I feel like there's not really very many people out there hungry for that those type of graphics anymore like like i'll I'll look at a game like lethal enforcers even now and be like damn i kind of wish those games (laughs) type of games stayed around because like you (laughs) what you could do with digitized graphics now you can make them you know um, hd you know very very high color um so yeah it's it's to me it's a shame that that kind of that whole style um kind of went away because i mean i would play the shit out of like a retro-style digitized Mortal Kombat game now.
0: Oh, you know what I think really killed it was the Sega CD. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Because they had so many games that had that kind of graphics but just were terrible. So when you're spending like $500 bringing that shit home and you think it's going to blow you away and it's just like the worst fucking games possible, I think that really did... it. It ingrained in people like that that st- that aesthetic actually just means oh it's a really shitty game that they're trying to impress people who don't know any better with
1: yeah i think i think you're definitely right and sega cd if people don't remember i think it was like i, I want to say 32 colors I, I think it was 64 colors that's the sega sega genesis so is you relying on that so imagine watching a video at 64 colors Using like, and I think they use like Cinepat compression, which was like a really bad, old school form of video compression. So the video, all the full motion video stuff on the Sega CD is v- pretty much unwatchable. I think one game people still talk about to this day, which is Night Trap, because yeah, sure. that game, that game was like a kind of an original horror movie, so it has something to elevate it, you know, beyond just being a a crappy full motion video game. But, um. Yeah, you know I, what? I uh, right. Sewer Shark has gone down in
2: history <laughs> as one of the better games that everyone remembers and loves.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just released re-released Night Trap on like modern consoles, just for like the kitsch value. Like, I, I, I think that's kind of cool, but like the game's still shitty.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> I mean, pretty much all those games are based off of like the original Dragon's Lair. Style of game, I think, where it's just like you're watching a movie and you make these, you know, very specific joystick movements or whatever at a a very specific time, you know, to get the movie to to go to a different scene or something like that. So,
0: yeah, and it's very obscure, very hard, and eight quarters like a motherfucker. Oh my God. Like, that was the point of those games. Like, they cost a lot to put in, but for arcade owners to put in, because I remember they had like big, sometimes, the ones at my mall had like a big screen like at the, like a projection screen for like Dragon Lair and it cost like a dollar each time to play and like you were dead like you miss one key <laughs> and you're done and like that's it so yeah they um i mean they had to make their money back but it, they were not fun games
1: totally yeah and and just going back to Killer Instinct really quickly one of the interesting things about that game just from like a graphics point of view that no other game has done since is they actually use full motion video pre-rendered 3d backgrounds that animate as you move across the screen and that's what gives i think gives killer instinct such a beautiful look still even when you play it today is like it really utilizes the idea of pre-rendered 3d graphics like you know to the max like it, it i have never really seen any other game even rareware you know the the company never really produced any other games that utilize that technique and you know even like dra- games like dragon's lair which use like a laser disc um there's a bunch of obscure games that use that same format that were like shoot you know overhead shooters where it'd be like a full motion video playing underneath of it and they're and they're all pretty crappy but I was always disappointed that like no one took that concept, you know, much further than that, like, like utilizing full motion video with 2d sprites, and sort of combining the two together. um, You don't really didn't see very much of that you just only saw like, you know, straight up digitized or full motion video, um, or, you know, not so um, I don't know, I, 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 I have a I have very strong opinions on on video games and <laughs> yeah. the way that they've evolved. So well, there there was like an
2: artistry to making things look 3D uh, in like back when games were uh, uh, before you were actually able to do 3D in them. Uh, and there were there was like a cool aesthetic in trying to do that. Now it's mostly the other way around. It's like games that are trying to trick you into thinking they look hand drawn uh, when they're
1: actually 3D because it's just cheaper to do 3D models. Totally, yeah. And I think Street Fighter Four kind of attempts that look with like the cell shaded 3D stuff. Yes, but that's what they're trying to do there. Yeah. yeah, and to me, it just doesn't look right. Like I, I none yeah. of that stuff has never looked uh, great to me. And I think it was that. What was that game where it was like, um, I can't remember. It was like some solo Capcom game where you fight. It's a side scroller that really pumped that look. Um, I don't remember, but I don't know.
0: Well, I definitely think that the uh, new Marvel versus Capcom games are the worst-looking games by far, as far as like the 3D fires go. I don't even know what they're like the look they're trying to get uh, with them. It just looks like dirty and ugly for the most part.
1: Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. I mean it's a it's a shame that you know there's so many new characters on those games. You know that I would love to to play and fight with but they just all look crappy and uh yeah i mean i i really wish that 2d sprites you know especially coming out with these major companies like i just watched i just watched a video of Skullgirls while you guys were talking to see what it looks like and that game looks fucking amazing i mean it's it saddens me that capcom and even snk aren't making games in that style anymore i mean if we're just talking about snk i mean i think i would say they are you know they definitely imitated Capcom in a lot of ways, but I see them kind of as like one of the best companies that produce fighting games as well, oh yeah, um, with like Samurai showdown and um, Last Blade and games like that, um, especially I mean the first Samurai showdown game was pretty goddamn groundbreaking. I think it was the first game to have like zoom in zoom out uh like uh, mechanics, so when you when the characters would walk far apart from each other on the screen, it would actually zoom out um and that oh, was yeah. something new for the time
0: i remember playing that the gate and it just blew me the way, blew me away like seeing that seeing that scope and that scale uh, represented like i really love s k like in in some ways i like them better ultimately than uh capcom games just cuz they were trying. like i feel like they were trying they stayed more like distinctly like japanese like you had for sure games where like everybody was a samurai um or everybody was like an ikemen, like a boy band <laughs> a japanese boy band guy like in the king of fighters mm-hmm. like so i feel like they they stay in where while as Capcom, it was always supposed to be the world fighter so they would just take like racial stereotypes from across oh the my globe God. and present them instead of just you know staying within like japan china and korea like uh s did thankfully <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think World Heroes was definitely their their main street fighter clone, but in some ways it was like more just more silly and over the top than the Street Fighter was. And then of course Fatal Fury, and then what was the game Art of Fighting, which was I feel like it was kind of a crap game, but it had like gigantic sprites. Yeah, which was yeah. something that people like were really excited about back in the day like, "Oh my god, this game has like the biggest sprites ever." <laughs> um and uh but yeah, they put out so many cool i mean but samurai showdown i think is the one that stands apart from the rest of them cuz um i'll still play the shit out of that game i mean like especially samurai showdown 4 i had a um a neo geo cd system oh about really ten, 10 years ago and uh you know even though you'd have to wait for fucking forever for it to load cuz it was like a one speed cd um it was amazing i mean it was a perfect arcade, you know, as, as as you know, probably know, Neo Geo console systems were an exact clone of their arcade system. So perfect arcade translations. I mean, for all their all their games. Um and I oh man, I played the shit out of those. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, I was a big fan of uh, Garo, Mark of the Wolves. That's kinda like their Street Fighter 3, like them at the like the height of their um power it's a very beautiful game I, and I think it actually came out on uh, it's on I think it's on Switch now actually so if you you're looking to, if you've never played much s and K, I've definitely it's called G-A-R-O-U Garo, Mark of the Wolves and it's just a beautiful um, fighting game and very, really fun too um, but we've been going for about an hour I feel like we've only like just scratched uh, the surface I know this uh, so, might have to be a whole series this might yes. have to be uh, Don't show we didn't even get to talk about like the movies, like the Mortal Kombat and the Street Fighter movie, which we could do like <laughs> a whole podcast on probably, you know.
1: Speaking of the Street Fighter II movie, um, I was just looking up videos of the Street Fighter II, the movie the game. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you remember <laughs> that. It's hilarious because um not only just because it's a crap game, but it's obviously trying to look like Mortal Kombat. And what's funny to me about that game is Mortal Kombat used digitized graphics but they didn't just simply use the graphics and then import them directly into you know a computer and then rotoscope them and use them they would touch them up significantly like with uh, you know like with painting programs and stuff and Street Fighter 2 the movie looks like they just straight up took a vid- VHS tape rip of these characters doing (laughs) movements and didn't clean them up at all. They look like crap. The lighting on them looks like it was obviously filmed in like a, you know, a bad studio. And it just looks like it was really shat out very quickly. Um, And it, it, I don't know. It's just a, Bizarre curiosity.
0: <laughs> I, I actually looked at like a mini documentary about that and it was so interesting because none of like those are like the actual actors from the movie. They're not, they don't know how to do any of that stuff. So it was like really like difficult and dangerous. That's like Kylie Minogue <laughs> trying to in, like trying to do all this like fighting and stuff and Ming uh, and uh, Ming win uh, trying to do all this stuff and they just don't know how and they're just trying their best. <laughs> Um, but, and th- another funny thing is like the arcade release of that was so crappy that Capcom, when they did the home version, just took all the video and just made another game. Oh like, really? The same video. Yeah. It's two completely different games actually from the arcade for the, wow. uh, versus the console version.
1: Well, that kind of explains why I was pulling up videos on YouTube that looked, that looked like two different games. And now that explains it. Cause one of them definitely looks worse than whatever they ended up releasing on the home systems, I guess. So
0: <laughs> but well, I guess we're gonna have There's to
1: There's so much left.
0: There's so much
2: left to talk about.
0: I guess we're gonna have to dive into Moral Combat Annihilation, the the saga of Chun Li, Raul Julia's amazing performance, all this stuff. <laughs> we didn't even get in the tech in the day, but folks, uh thank you so much for listening. You uh uh you can uh, where can people find you, Robbie? Uh, you can
1: find me on Twitter, at fluorescent gray, um, And you could uh, check out my documentary film series at averyheavyagenda.com. And I also do Media Roots Radio with uh, my sister, Abby Martin, which um, comes out on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah. Make sure to subscribe to their Patreon. Make sure to subscribe to our Patreon if you haven't yet, patreon.com slash struggle session. Thank you so much. Have a good one.